Hello and welcome back everybody to the OrthoTalk podcast, episode number 29. This week we have a special returning guest, one of y'all's favorites, Akhil Sharma. Akhil is a medical student at the University of Miami and we've been talking to him throughout this whole interview season about his process and his application cycle and how that's been going for him. And we catch up after Universal Interview Day and right before he begins his interviews. So we discuss the whole process of Universal Interview Day. Um, and talk about a lot of interview prep questions. And we do a little mock interview on this podcast, talk about red flags, uh, how to handle a Zoom interview. And uh, it's, a, it's a pretty pretty fun interview. So give it a listen. Hope you guys enjoy it. Without further ado, Akil Sharma. Hey, can we time out? All right. All good dudes, stop what you're doing. This is time out. This is the OrthoTalk podcast. Today we are doing a real conversation with an illustrious guest, Surgeons today are Asith Khalid and Jay Chen. Antibiotics, ANSEF, of course, what do we even ask? Fire risk, high due to lit conversations and explosive topics. Any questions or concerns? Nope. All right, we can go. Incision. Welcome to the Ortho Talk podcast. We're at episode 29, which is a prime number. Brought to you by your favorite Asian host. <laughs> All right, we are joined today by my new dog. There it is. It's a little a little Shih Tzu puppy. Um, What's the name? Dreamy. 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 It it was named by a seven-year-old, so (laughs) that explains it. But for real, our guest today is none other other than uh, the notorious real deal, Akil. Sharma making his third appearance. Uh, that I think that ties him for the most appearances with Midhawk. I think it does, yeah. Yeah, so welcome aboard, Akil. Thank you. Happy to be here. All right. For those who don't know and who haven't been paying attention to the entire season, Akil is a fourth-year medical student applying to orthopedic surgery. Um, his first two episodes were very enlightening and entertaining as well. This one will be the same. And some so, of our most listened to episodes, too. I think number one. Our yeah. last one we feel was, was number one in listens. Oh, perfect. Oh, uh, there we go. There's the keel. All right. So uh, we're in we're in interview season now, aren't we? We're we're in clutch time. So they've done all their applications, they've done their ERAS, they've received their invites. So let's start let's start there. What was it like? Um, you know, this year is Universal Offer Day, right? Yeah. What, what was that like? It was really weird. Um, so for a while we didn't even know whether or not we we're going to have a regular flow of uh, first wave, second wave, third wave type of invites or whether or not programs are going to consolidate. There was some talk earlier on a few months ago that, oh, there might be like one universal interview day, but a lot of programs are holding off on deciding whether or not they would commit to that date. And I think roughly one or two months before the day was selected, which is November 20 something, most programs committed fully to the fact that they would be offering all their interview invites on one given day. And so that was kind of nerve wracking because uh, we didn't have too much of a heads up, but it didn't really change anything from our end other than just, you know, you have to get your letters in early, you have to get your application ready. And then I guess it kind of took the edge off in some aspects because you weren't sitting on your phone all day or like hoping to, uh, you know, get an invite that day or not paying attention to whatever service you were on because you're just constantly looking for invites. But it was also kind of uh, excruciating in another way because a lot of my friends in other specialties were receiving invites right after they submitted ERAS. I'm just kind of sitting there for a month hoping that, you know, it works out. So yeah, I guess it has its pros and cons. That's what, um, that's what our submission was like, was you submit ERAS and then you sit and wait. And you wait and you wait. And we're, like orthopedics was always like the last specialty to actually give interviews. So like you would, everyone was just kind of freaking out internally because everyone else was getting all these interviews and stuff and like none of us were doing. So what did, what did you actually do on that day? Were you, were you in the hospital? Uh, yeah, so I, today is actually my last day on my trauma sub-I at home. So I was in the oh, hospital, geez. I was in the OR that day. Uh, so I just, <laughs> I think I was scrubbed into a tibial nail. Uh, I think it was a bilateral tibial nail. It was pretty cool. Oh. So that was a really long case. Uh, so I, I didn't do anything so, like out of the ordinary. So are you like freaking out the whole case? Yeah, because I could feel my, uh, like, I'm not that smart. So I keep my phone in my back pocket on vibrate. So every time I got an email, my ass was going off. And I was just like, oh, <laughs> this, is, 
I hope that's a like interview and not a rejection or something. Um, but I couldn't scrub out because that wouldn't that would be very poor form. So I just waited the entire case, um, scrubbed out uh, at the end after rolling the patient back, of course, before rolling the patient back, but after the patient was executed. Did you uh, did then, you rush your resident? Were you like, God, hurry up and put these nails in? Yeah, I'm surprised they didn't like like know and have your phone on the table or something. <laughs> Yeah, so they offered to. Uh, my, I worked with a really good team. My residents were very aware of the fact because we have 17 of us applying out of Miami this year. So mm-hmm. everyone was pretty aware that, oh, today's a big day for all these people. So they offered to let me scrub out. But uh, the good thing about the interview day offer was that we had 48 hours to respond to the interview invites. And so uh, I, yeah. I would have a little bit of a time frame in order to get back to them. What I didn't know was that a lot of these time frames were first come, first serve. So yeah, you oh. offer you the invite date on, on like they would offer you the invite on that first day, mm-hmm. but they gave you two to three different dates that were available at the time. And so the kind of downside of me being scrubbed in was that uh, I was sort of left with whatever was left, but it worked out. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, Mo, did you, uh, you know, back when we did it, we, we had to check our phones and emails all the time. And if we didn't respond quickly, we would lose out on an interview. Did, did you lose out on any, any interviews, Mo? I, so first of all, I didn't get that many interviews to begin with. So no, uh, second of all, <laughs> no, I, uh, if, if I got an interview, I, so I remember my first interview that I got was actually pretty close to after ERAS submitted either like the day or after. And that was like a total anomaly, but uh, I got it while I was rounding on my ICU rotation. So I just kind of disappeared for a bit and responded and came back. And nobody really said anything because I was kind of a ghost anyways at that point. Um, it's probably why I didn't get that many interviews, honestly. But no, <laughs> no, I, uh, I did not miss out on any. The, the only interview I did not miss out on or I missed out on was one that I had to say no to because it was a late invite uh, like after, I guess, people had dropped off and I was on the wait list. And it already conflicted with an interview I had scheduled, which was actually UTMB. So instead of canceling UTMB and going there, I just stuck with UTMB and ended up. Can you imagine it. how things would be different? Like we would not have this podcast because you and I would have never met. It would, we would it not would have been crazy. We would probably we would have, have been enemies. Crazy. Yeah, we probably would have, we probably would have <laughs> hated on each other. We probably would have like made fun of each other on Twitter. Absolutely. <clears throat> All right. Um, so anyway, we got that Universal Day done, and and. You know, you got, you got your interviews. Everyone's got their interviews. Uh, interview season's coming up. UTMB, we're interviewing on Monday. So how do you how do you feel these interviews coming up? Uh, yeah, so it's, it's going to be weird. I have a few questions for you guys, actually, regarding that process. Uh, yeah. So this is, a, at least to my knowledge, the first time a lot of these interviews are going to be virtual. And so I guess <clears throat> one of the things I'm uh, kind of confused about is how are you going to gauge an uh, applicant's personality over Zoom for about 20, 30 minutes, whatever it is, especially when you have so many applicants to interview? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, so much of communication is body language. So, you know, 90% or whatever is tone of voice, body language. And those things are harder to assess online. And, um, you know, honestly, I think, I think enthusiasm, everyone looks for something different. I like enthusiasm because I want to be around people that are upbeat and that, you know, have, have stuff going on and are excited about what they do. So I think, I think it's good to be a little enthusiastic. You know, if you're passionate about your hobbies, if you're passionate about orthopedics, if you're passionate about whatever, you know, don't, don't be afraid to just uh, to let it show, you know, don't, don't kind of sit back at your desk and, and be dull. Uh, but, but really talk about your passion and try to steer the conversation. If you're not passionate about that many things, try to steer the conversation to things that, you are passionate about and then let, let your excitement and your energy show through because people are naturally drawn to people that have energy and, and positivity. I think, or at least, you know, a lot of people are. So that's what I think. Yeah, I agree. I am. I mean, I'm not interviewing anyone this year, but if I, you know, have to do zoom interviews and stuff, I think a lot of it is one body language, um, which is kind of hard to tell on, an, on a Zoom call anyways, right? Because I can sit like this and you can't really tell that I'm slouching, but I'm actually slouching. So if I sit like straight up, I mean, that's like me sitting straight up. Like a watch. So I don't know, you can hide it. But don't be like Jay and do it off your phone and like start moving your camera around and like <laughs> and do it all off your phone. Like, yeah, get, get, like a good, get like a good webcam or I mean, you can get a cheap one off of Amazon. That's pretty good quality and just like mount it somewhere so that 
it's not like you know just giving me a headache watching Jay on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> but um, also, you know, have a nice background. You know, it doesn't need to so, be so like. So that's my question. What is? What are you gonna do with a, about a background? Do you do you just two. have your room? Do you just put a black screen up? Like, what are you gonna do? No, no, your... no, no, no. You make a, you have like a little like a nice looking shelf. It doesn't need to be fancy. Just and put like a little plant on it. And then, you know, just have, uh, don't have any tacky paintings or portraits on your wall, but just to just have it be clean looking and pretty like you would belong in a, in like a, a Better Homes magazine or something. So, just, um, so what you're saying is treat your background like you would treat your personal statement. Brush it up, make it look good. <laughs> and, yeah. And, but don't go outlandish. Exactly. Hey, so just, just right? nice, solid. You know, it's uh, like a, <laughs> sorry, it's good you know, but, uh, my school is actually, uh, they sold at this like uh, sale for virtual backgrounds. So they would just, they were just selling out large canvases that you could just put in the back of your computer, like for your background oh. interviews. But it was like selling for like $80 a piece. So I'm just going to stick with this. Yeah, don't do a virtual background. I think people like, even though I record every week with a virtual background, the real reason is because you know, my I usually record on my bed and I just lay down and record. Um, but but honestly, like, don't do a virtual background. Uh, just you know, show your show your real background. I think there's been studies that show virtual backgrounds are less favored. I think the the same people that have virtual backgrounds are the same people that wear like light blue suits to the interview, or like like bright red ties, like stuff that makes them like, they try to stick out. And or bow ties. Or bow ties. Yeah. Or bow ties. Yeah. yeah. You can't trust people with bow ties. Exactly. All right. Or virtual um, backgrounds. You know, other other pieces of advice. You know, it's you want people want to look at the uh, it's it's the natural tendency is to look at the interviewer in the eyes, but you have to remember your camera is on top of your uh, computer most likely, right? So you got to make sure your eyes are looking close to the camera. Um, so there's there's little tips to do that. You can put a picture, you can frame it so you have a picture of your of yourself, like you know your self cam. You can put it close to the top of your computer screen. And then you, know, you can kind of focus on looking at yourself, which is sounds kind of weird. You know, you're checking yourself out, but honestly, it, it brings your eyes closer to the actual camera. So um, that's that's one little tip. Um, and then, what else? I think make you sure know, make sure your lighting is good too. And if you yeah. have to buy like one of those stand lights or something or a ring light that's going to shine some light on your face, make sure you have something too, because that's I think. That is one thing that will stand out is if you're just dark and you can't see anything and you just have really yep. bad lighting. So just make sure you have all those little things like tucked away. There may there may be a time where they ask you to uh, show off if you have a hobby and they want you to see an example of it. Um, some programs may allow you to like share your screen or they may, you know, whatever it is. Just just have something ready just on backup to show off. Ooh, that's a good point. To do. Are, you, yeah. are you allowed to do that? It's program uh, program dependent. I think will will determine whether or not you're allowed to do that. But just in case, just have something ready to show off, or or at least have it in your room. Like, oh, hold on, yeah, I like basket weaving. Let me show you this basket I weave last night, or you know, just just something something like that. Nice. Yeah, no, I didn't even think about that. I'm gonna start basket weaving tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> exactly. I, I know your hobbies, Akil, and uh, you shouldn't show those off. So. <laughs> <laughs> Just, just playing. All right. Um, so, so those are kind of just generic tips. Let's talk about uh, let's talk about questions. Mo, what were some interesting questions you were asked? You know, six years ago. Ooh, interesting questions I was asked. <laughs> you know, the the one question that I got asked that I really had to make up an answer to was my very last interview, and they asked me something about my personal statement. And I had not read my personal statement in like a few months. And uh, I, I, ma I made up a pretty good answer about it. I don't remember what I said, but I remember I, uh, that's not really an interesting thing. That was just the hardest question I got asked. <laughs> so the story, the moral of that story is read your application and read your personal statement before every interview. So you're not like me and ill-prepared. Um, I, um, I took a class in college. I remember it was a business class and the professor basically said, when you go in, into an interview, it's kind of ridiculous because here we are in college spending dozens of hours studying for each test, which is minimally important compared to an interview. And yet some of us won't even spend 30 minutes getting ready for an interview. Yeah. So, so that's kind of the point there. You know, definitely know your, your stuff inside and out. 
learn yeah, they from could ask you. If it's on your application, it's fair game. So Absolutely. And that, you know, that was one of those things where nobody asked you about your personal statement ever. I, I went through the whole interview season. Nobody had even brought it up once until the very last interview day. And then I'm like, uh, yeah, I guess I did write that, didn't I? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, you know, we had I, we had some interesting questions, uh, especially at our UTMB interview. We had some interesting questions, but yeah, a lot of yeah. like philosophical stuff. Like, what yeah. would you do outside of medicine if you weren't doing that? Or uh, if you had like infinite money, what would you do in the world? Or how would you spend it? Um, Trying to think of some of the other. One of my interviews, uh, it wasn't a question, but they uh, they had us take a screw and a, a nut or a washer and in our non-dominant hand. And it was the chief residents doing the interview. And um, they made us put the, put the water or not on the uh, screw or the bolt. And we had to basically put it on and uh, cinch it down with our non-dominant hand while they timed us. And uh, they were asking us questions during the whole thing. And uh, they wouldn't, they, they, they would tell you your time but they wouldn't tell you how you ranked. So yeah, that was um obviously uh, you're probably not gonna I mean you can't do that over Zoom, but we no, had we had something like that. That's another uh, kind of thing I was thinking about. So I heard like a lot of places, uh, a lot of like interview style questions ask some kind of stress interview where they ask you to like yeah future through mul- like melted cheese or whatever it is or like what you're <laughs> describing. I don't know like what do you think that would be the equivalent of a kind of stress interview virtually this year? Probably all right. That's a good question. I have an answer for that. Um, okay. One thing that's easier to do on a virtual interview than an in-person interview is to pimp you on on stuff that they throw up the slide, throw up some imaging, and they can just, you know, it's, it's actually harder to do in person to have those slides and, and x-rays ready. But, you know, on a virtual interview, it's pretty easy to do that. So um, just, just kind of be ready for that kind of thing. So that would be, I think, an equivalent of a stress interview. Yeah, but they can't, they can't really make you do any physical stuff. It would all just kind of be mental, like mind games kind of stuff. Yeah, these um, are these are going to be the nerdiest class of orthopedic surgeons we've ever <laughs> ever matched. I believe it. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Because the other thing I was also thinking about is, especially because I just spent a month off my sub eye now, and I'm pretty much done with orthopedics until residency at this point. I was thinking this batch of uh, applicants we pretty much only gotten to know our own home institution and the way our home program likes things done in our yeah. hospitals. I feel like, you know, compared to previous uh, intern classes, we're going to possibly have a harder time adjusting to if we like leave our home institution for residency and getting to know that program and what these people want. And even our like fund of knowledge for orthopedics might be a little more limited because I think at least from the beginning of my sub eye to the end, I feel like I, I really got to see the progression in terms of, managing expectations knowing what i'm going into prepping for cases my like basic fund of knowledge has gotten much better so i can't even imagine doing this two or three more times you know before uh intern year starts so i guess from your perspective since you guys are both attending what kind of things do you think we could work on as uh, applicants this year to try to get us to as best caught up to speed as we can before intern year starts That's a good question. Um, so from my standpoint, honestly, when, and I guess I'm speaking for more of a chief resident kind of thing, because I didn't, I don't really have residents anymore. But when I, I got to the point where when we had interns, I expected nothing because, you know, they came from different programs and like, you, you don't really know, everyone comes from a different background and different skill set. So I, I it, dude, if, if you could like put in an order on day two, I'm like pleasantly surprised right but but the stuff you the thing is like the stuff that you require as an intern is not the stuff you learn as a sub eye mm-hmm. like yeah you're gonna get pimped on classifications and stuff but dude i mean you could google that thing in like two seconds in real life like i don't care if you memorize the wonky hansen classification or not that's e- easily accessible on your cell phone but like you're writing notes like doing a discharge summary putting in order for like freaking saline that's stuff nobody teaches you, but that's all you do as an intern. Right. You're not like having to manage anything. You don't have to learn how to do operations or anything. So my expectations became like nothing, like just learn the computer system, which is probably different from the one that you had in med school anyways. Right. So you didn't have any practice there. So no, I, maybe that's just a personal thing for me, but I, you know, when interns came in, I just 
you know, there's so much other stuff on your plate that whether you can put in a tibial nail or put on a splint or a cast, I'm probably going to be showing you how to do it anyways. Right. So, you know, it's for me, it's a wash. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with that. Like the good interns, if you think back to who good interns were, they were ones that were dependable, had a good attitude, um, could could get the floor work done, could manage the pager. Uh, they weren't necessarily the ones that knew the most orthopedics or had the best hands in the OR because in a lot of places, the interns, they're not doing full cases themselves yet, you know, without a lot of supervision. So, so really, you know, intern year, you know, you, when I matched, when I was going through as a fourth year, everyone just said, you know, once you match, just enjoy the rest of yeah. the rest of medical school. Yeah. Like, don't don't worry <laughs> about learning stuff and just just enjoy these few months you have before you're in residency. Um, so I think you know, even though you guys may feel some pressure um, to get more exposure, which which is fine, definitely get more exposure if you want to. But I wouldn't I wouldn't be too worried about that. Just like most said, you guys will be just fine coming in. Um, if you guys match your home program. You guys will obviously be familiar and, and that would be an easy adjustment if you guys match somewhere else um it's it'll just be like any other intern year where you guys are going to be doing a lot of uh clerical work at first and and i wouldn't worry too much that being said you know spending time at your home program let's say you match somewhere else other than your home program man you really have nothing to lose if you want to scrub into your home program and just like yeah. mess around you know like piss people off so what you've already matched just just get your hands dirty and you know whatever but um, if you match think, your home program, then it should be it should be pretty easy. I think the biggest downside of not being able to go to other programs isn't necessarily the fund of knowledge that you're going to lack. It's the knowledge of the different types of programs that are out there, because there's like so. I think they say every program has its own personality, but I, I mean, I that's kind of true. I think most of the programs. That you can group them into different personality styles, right? Like you have the the blue collar programs where you're trauma heavy, you're working a lot, you're taking call all the time, um, you're doing a lot of trauma, you're doing a lot of this kind of stuff. Um, you're not doing a lot of research, you're not doing a lot of other stuff uh, outside of it. Then you have like you know the more laid back programs where you do a little trauma, you do a lot of elective stuff. Uh, you have time to do research if you want. People are pretty chill. And then you have like the research powerhouses where you're not doing anything except research and you're doing like six papers, you know, every year. Um, and then even like geographically, I think each geographic region has its own personality too. Like a lot, a lot of the programs in the Northeast are really uptight and like the, the people up there are just a different personality style. It's harder to please your attendings. It's harder to please your chief residents. You have a certain expectation coming in. This is obviously generally speaking. I'm sure there's exceptions everywhere, but uh, you know, in the South, it's it's kind of different. Like people expect you to work hard as long as you work hard and do the job. People are generally pretty easy to get along with. They're more laid back. Nursing staff is more laid back. Support staff is more laid back. Um, I never, I never honestly been on the West Coast, so I can't really speak to that. But I don't know, Jay. What do you, what do you think? Do you agree with me? Yeah, I mean, like you said, those are generalizations, but you know, oftentimes there's some truth to to those generalizations. So. Um, you know, the, I guess the stereotype of, of Southern programs is that they're probably a little bit more uh, hands-on and obviously we only get to go to one residency. So I only have a head of one to talk about, but you know, my program was uh, pretty hands-on as well. You, um, you've so, seen, you've seen it through med school too, right? Like seen in, it through, yeah. Yeah. But everywhere I rotated was kind of in the South. So I, I didn't really rotate mm -hmm. in the Northeast, but I did, I, I've met residents there when I was a resident and um, some of those, some of those things are true. Sometimes the more prestigious programs are not ones that you get the most hands-on experience at. And sometimes programs that are really prestigious have a lot of fellows and, you know, the fellows go there and the attendings want to teach the fellows because the fellows are going into the field that the attendings are, are in. Um, so it's not always the big names that get the most hands-on experience, but, but overall, I mean, these are generalizations. You know, I went to uh, Duke for fellowship and you know, Duke's a pretty big name and I thought they had a really good residency program as well. So um, obviously it's not always it's true. Not, but, so I'm not saying that to say that the programs aren't good. I'm just saying that yeah. it's different, different strokes for different folks, right? Like right, it, right, it right. depends on what you're looking looking for out of a program. And that's a, that's a question I got often is what are you looking for in a residency right. program? And that's going to be hard for the students to tell. Right. Because you haven't years. seen different types of programs. So that, that's I think that's one of the big disadvantages is that you just you haven't sampled everything at the buffet. So you don't yeah. really know what you're looking for because you've only seen yeah. one. You've only tasted one ditch right so and every program so they tell you that you know you get great hands-on experience here yeah, they all they all say the same thing yeah. 
Just yeah. like you were saying at our last interview, what, yeah. what all the, uh, what the what all the residents would say. Yeah, so they all say the same thing. All the interview dates are going to start with the same spiel. Uh, very few are going to be like very honest and true to the actual nature of the program. And you're just going to have to kind of sort it out. Honestly, dude, at this point, if you match anywhere, you're lucky. And that's exactly. what, that seems to get lost nowadays, especially pre-interview and pre-match, is that a lot of students kind of feel entitled to pick and choose what programs they want to do. No, I mean, if you match orthopedics, it doesn't matter what program you're in, just be happy you matched in orthopedics and live with it. And that's, that's the bottom line. So yeah, it's nice to have some idea, but at the end of the day, does it really matter? No, just, you know, be happy you match somewhere. Yeah, there was a talk uh, about maybe two weeks ago uh, because the in-house students in Miami already had our in-house interview. And mm -hmm. so before he left, he was basically just telling us like, by the way, I know you guys are like, this was before uh, universal interview invite day, but he was just like, yeah, no matter what happens, like just remember that pretty much 95% of ortho programs in the country, you're going to come out and you're going to be an orthopedic surgeon. You're going to be right. trained pretty much the same way. You're going to be competent in the OR. You're going to know how to do research. It's really just what you make of it. I was just wondering, like, it sounds like you guys kind of agree with that, but I was kind of wondering what your take on that is because like you said, this year, we just kind of have to take everyone's word for it. And so it's, it's kind of a very confusing time, but I think, you know, we're all going through it together. So I think personally, I think the fund of knowledge across programs is very much the same. Like, I think you can get the fundamentals for orthopedic surgery at pretty much any program across the country. And a lot of the higher end stuff, like, you know, the, the rare cases that you see once or twice, I mean, they're cool to see, but who, I mean, how often are you going to be doing those in practice? Right. Uh, it, and even if you do, the techniques are going to change in the next six to seven years that you're there. So you're, the, the key is to learn how to learn how to do surgery, if that makes sense. You need to learn how to learn how to do surgery. So you need to learn how you can figure out how to do new things technique guides, videos, whatever it takes, and just be able to figure that out. Cause that's dude, like I'm doing it on a weekly basis. I'm sure Jay's doing it on a weekly basis. There's cases that, you know, you, we might've seen a couple, but it's either a new implant or a new approach or a new technique, something we haven't, or something we haven't done in a few years. That's, you know, we have to refresh and you have to learn again how to do it. So uh, as far as fund and knowledge, I think that's the same. My, my key with the residency program is one, you have to be happy for five years. Otherwise, it's just going to be miserable. So what makes you happy in a residency program is the real question. I wonder if Jay's going to ask that to people is what, what makes you happy? Because that's really the key to picking a program. Maybe I will. Right? Because it's different for different people. Like for me in residency, it was the people I was around. It was my co-residents. That was the best part of our residency was having Jay and our other friends around that, you know, we could vent if we need to, or we could you know, go out and eat dinner or just, you know, complain and do all that kind of stuff. And that, that really made the program key. Some people it's family, right? They want to be close to family or have that support system, um, cost of living, city uh, life, you know, all that kind of stuff. Some people love fishing and they want need to be by the water, all, all those little things. That's what sets programs apart. Um, and luckily you don't need to rotate at a program to find that stuff usually. I think, I think uh, that's a great point. I, I couldn't put any, any better myself. Um, you know, most programs you'll, you'll get good training. I, I think one thing too, people, uh, oftentimes it's easy for, you know, for residents to become disgruntled about their program and find things to be unhappy about. Oh, it's going to um, happen. It, it guaranteed to happen at some point. Yeah. It's going to happen. It's going to happen at any program. And a lot of times people that are prone to get disgruntled, you know, we've seen people that are disgruntled in, in a lot of situations, no matter what situation they're in almost. So it's not like we're blaming, I'm not trying to blame the person, but at the same time, whether or not you feel happy at, at your program, a lot of that's dependent on, on you and, and your attitude. Um, so even more, probably even more important than that, than the, the nature of the program is, is uh, how you deal with residency, which is going to be challenging no matter where you go. I mean, there are some malignant programs out there. Sure, there's probably you know 2% that are truly malignant, but the most, the vast majority of programs are probably pretty similar in terms of everything. And if you ask, if you ask a student in an interview, like Jay, if you ask them, like, what are you looking for in a program? And they start listing stuff like uh, early operative experience, um, nice faculty, uh, hands-on training, the stuff like that, you know, you know, that's a bullshit answer, right? Because every program has that. So how I'm going to say we have none of the three here. 
<laughs> you don't operate here until you're a chief. Yeah. We're all really mean. It's like, yeah, it's like what? I mean, that, that's just a, that's a stock answer. It's a canned answer. It's not going to, I mean, you know that that's just something that they saw online and they've rehearsed and they're practicing. So um, I don't know. Jay, also, what, yeah, go ahead. Off of that then, that's a good point, right? So, so let's just say, so the interviews that were going on virtually, we've never even been to these institutions, presumably, yeah. or even in the city or the state. So if I get an interview at some random place I've never been to, let's say it's an interview I wasn't expecting, right? Yeah. I've done a few of those and it's like, okay, I've never been to this place. I've heard of this place. I haven't really heard too much about this place. And now when they ask me why I would want to go to this place, I mean, the only thing I'm going to be able to fall back on are the things I'm looking for in any uh, residency program. So I guess going off of what you just said, how do you recommend tailoring a response specifically to that place if I don't know much about it and don't have the opportunity to go there? Let's check it go out. To the, go to the website. Is okay. my, is my thing. Go to the website and they almost always will advertise something that's unique about that place. Okay. So it, even if it's location or if it's like proximity to mountains or good skiing <laughs> around here, right. just say that you want to say that you like skiing <laughs> you want or you yeah. want to become a skier. You like the mountains. Um, or, you know, sometimes they'll have like a research track or like a special like research elective or something, or they rotate at this hospital that, no, you know, no one else says, and this is one of the best cancer centers in the world or something like that. Um, yeah, or even if it's like, you know, sports coverage, so there's always something that will set it apart um, that you can be specific to that program and not say, oh, I want to be a good surgeon when I leave here. Okay, cool. I mean, it's every program that will right. tell you that you're a good surgeon. That's that, that's what I did. I don't know. What did you do, Jay? You know, I think you can always say you have a cousin that lives there, <laughs> or or an uncle, an uncle that lives there. And uh, the other thing you can say is that uh, one of your mentors uh, highly recommended the program. <laughs> no, well, don't don't say that unless unless they uh, they because if they on the off chance they know your mentor. I'm just kidding about both those statements, but um, <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> I, I agree. You know, find something, you know, on their website that they advertise that you like, and uh, you know, they nowadays programs too are trying to cater to students. So a lot of the websites are adding information and they're they're revamping stuff to try to to try to put their selling points on there and, and what they think is important about their program. So just just reflect that back to them, and you can even say, you know. You can even say just kind of the way you said, you know, it's it, without rotations and, and in-person interviews, it's hard to know about a, a particular program, but your website said that you guys really valued, you know, such and such. And that's something that I really look for in a program. And you can be awesome and say, you know, I don't have any ties here, but, um, you know, I know, I know that where I ran up, I'm going to work my butt off and I'm going to try my best to, to improve that, the team atmosphere and the collegiality. And, uh, you know, it sounds like you guys are looking for that as well. So I think it'd be, it'd be a good fit. So I guess other than that, um, when you have, so we've talked a lot about things that you should look for in programs and like things that you might expect on an interview. The other thing I had a question on is uh, what kind of things would you recommend we avoid doing on interviews? So obviously name dropping a mentor who strongly recommended a program, if that didn't actually happen is one of those things. Uh, I would say wearing bow ties or anything, two of those things. Uh, so what's number three, four, five, things like that? What other kind of things should we not go into interview ready to say? Picking your nose. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, that's just a life thing. To <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I think something that, uh, um, uh, that raises a red flag in the majority of interviewers is when an applicant comes across as a uh, as, as too cocky and full of themselves. And it's, it's kind of hard to say exactly how that happens, but I know every year almost there's some, there's some applicant that the, the faculty or the residents automatically say, you know, we don't want this guy. They're too, they're too full of themselves or they're whatever. So, you know, I don't want to name names, but there, there's definitely been some to where, you know, the way, the way they, answer a question, you know, if, if you're talking about a particular type of procedure and kind of saying, you know, you know, this is, this is my preference for doing this procedure. It's like your preference, like, man, you know, MS4, you have preferences <laughs> and how you do, like, it's just, it's just the way, you know, people don't want to match someone who they have difficulty working with. And 
people want to match people that are teachable and that are hardworking and confident, but also humble enough to take instruction. And, and I think, you know, the easiest way to, to make yourself uh, blacklisted, you know, other than doing something scandalous, you know, the, the easiest way is probably just coming across as overly cocky and, and arrogant and, you know, and that's not just during your interview that I mean that a lot of that is when you're talking to residents too like and right. and other students and stuff and like showing off how many interviews you have or yeah. name dropping the people that yeah. are at your program like all, all that kind of stuff comes across and people will notice that and you just I mean like be just just don't be that guy I guess is the best way you could say it yep um, I would say um, something else too I mean, we already talked about knowing your application back and forth but people will People will try to get you on on your application. They'll try to look for holes in it. Oh yeah, yeah. Put something on it. They're gonna try to. They're gonna make sure that, you know, if your hobby was so and so, you better actually know something about that hobby. And every year, you know, we have stories here at UTMB about applicants from past couple past few years who listed things as hobbies, and then when they're interviewed about it, they don't know anything about it. And then and right after the interviews, we have our faculty meeting, and that gets brought up. You know, so and so listed this, but they, you know, they didn't know anything about it. So. Just know everything. Yeah, one of my attendings here told us a story. I might have mentioned it before. If I have, please cut me off because I don't like to be that guy who repeats himself. Um, but he was telling me that one of his interviews, the the guy who walked into the door right before him, the applicant, he apparently had mentioned on his uh, application that one of his hobbies was playing guitar. And so, oh, yeah. have I told you the story already? Oh, keep telling it because uh, yeah, I don't remember. I forgot. This is probably well known story to everyone by now. Well, now that I've uh, drawn it along, it's probably not going to be as good. But anyway, so he goes, the applicant goes into the room and apparently the application, like the interview went really well. And the attending, whoever was interviewing him was like, oh, by the way, I saw that you like to play the guitar. And the applicant was like, yeah, I've been playing for like six years, however long. And the attendant was like, oh, no way, like me too. And the applicant's like, oh, great. Like, that's so cool that we're like bonding over this like very cliche activity that everyone does. <laughs> um, and so the attending just like whips out a guitar from behind his desk and he's like, all right, cool. Like, why don't you play me any song that you know? And so <laughs> the applicant just got up and walked out of the door. <laughs> she just left. He just hilarious. Dude, if you're gonna lie about a hobby, why would you choose something as cliche as like, I would be like, yeah. Yeah, I'm really into uh, moonwalking. <laughs> like, like I don't know, like space jump, uh, visiting outer space planets. Like, just take, make something cool at least, and Jay, no one else has that experience. So. Jay, Jay, do you do you remember the magic guy? Magic guy? Yeah, when we interviewed, there was a guy who was a magician, and he, he was famous for all going to all these interviews and just doing magic tricks. I don't remember. You that. don't remember this guy? I don't remember. No, no, he was a magic guy. He he literally just at all his interviews, he would do magic tricks. But he was actually a magician. So it yeah. wasn't like one of those fake things. But he was it was it was the weirdest thing. I never actually met the guy, but he, he was like legendary for our year when we were playing. I don't, I don't, I don't it was the magic, the magic guy. guy. <laughs> I never met the magic guy. I think uh, I think he actually matched too. And I think he I forgot what he did his fellowship, but maybe sports. I don't remember. Yeah, there's there's a lot of magic surgery in sports that probably makes a lot of sense. <laughs> a lot of voodoo. Yeah, a lot of voodoo in sports. <laughs> yeah. But uh, what other red flag? What do you think? But what what would you uh, not want talk, to hear from that? I mean, we talked about bow ties. Um, yeah. I don't want to hear. I don't really want to hear um, just cliches. Honestly, like sports. I don't want to hear that you love sports again. Even though that's what I said, but. I mean, I don't know. That was, that was weird. I, I'm, so, I'm so tired of that cliche now. Um, I, I think. What else? I don't want to hear about how your family is an orthopedic or uh, orthopedic family and how you come from legacy and how that's why you want to do orthopedics because your dad did orthopedics and your granddad did orthopedics. Um, that to me, that's not a good reason to want to do orthopedics. Um, and then, like, stay away from political stuff. I mean, I, I probably don't need to say that, but I probably also do need to say that. Someone needs to hear it. <laughs> Someone's um, going to be political. Just, just stay away from the politics. And, and honestly, if I was in an interview, I would try to bring it out of someone just to see what happens. That's my stress question. Is, oh, what do you think about the election? <laughs> and just see how they go. Both, both uh, sides played hard. Yeah, both yeah. sides played hard. Both sides played <laughs> <a good> hard. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, uh, so like most of the red flag stuff, like you feel like it doesn't need to be said. But, hey, it 
probably does. But yeah, politics yeah. is a big one. I don't know. What, what else, Jay? Um, you know, this this may sound silly and it may sound like, you know, we're, we're asking applicants to fake it, but like, you remember that one time, Mo, when we um, were at the pre-interview social and there was an applicant who just um, did not find her jokes funny. And oh, it's yeah. the weirdest thing. We're funny people. What do you mean? We don't know about what, we don't need to go on about what happened, but like still just like, you know, if, if residents <laughs> or faculty, if you're in like the virtual waiting room or if you're at the virtual dinner the night before whatever the heck and people are trying to get to know you and try to try to meet you just make yourself personable and again it's something that probably shouldn't need to be said but you know it it, it actually should be said because we've seen experiences otherwise just you know try to be personable so, so it's funny because we also have seen the other side where you get a little too chummy and a little, a little bit of your weird side comes out too much yeah like we were, there was one time i don't think you were there but me and someone else in the class below us were making some fairly inappropriate jokes just to kind of see what happened and uh one, one of the I, applicants I for sure was not there if there were inappropriate <laughs> jokes <laughs> not inappropriate just oh yeah inappropriate um they had to do with bill cosby so one of the one of the <laughs> one of the applicants started making his own bill cosby jokes and uh <laughs> like, yeah they were yeah they were funny we laughed but still i mean come on <laughs> you can't uh so, sometimes you got to kind of just just laugh to be nice and then just kind of fade. <laughs> yeah, I, I, was, I was also wondering, so a lot of these uh, interviews are going to probably have like a virtual happy hour. Yeah, we're having For med school interviews, the like pre-interview, like social or dinner or whatever was awkward enough because in person where you didn't know the per like the people next to you and you like don't know when to say something, someone else is about to say something and then neither of you say anything and then just yeah. This year, I feel like that's just going to be amplified because everything is virtual and you're muting or unmuting yourself and no one's actually drinking or, you know, <laughs> uh, what do you think that's going to be like the whole getting to know the, uh, the residence process before the interview itself? I think a lot of it's going to be um, the applicants trying to sell their program in a way because you got to remember like in a lot of programs, you know, the applicants, the pre-interview social is not meant to be a way to screen out student uh, applicants and, and, and judge applicants. And I think it'll be the same where at these meetings to pimp you figure out which of y'all, but a lot of it's telling their own program. So guys, but also for the residents. And um, so I would mean Greece, that's probably just gonna be similar to that. And you'd recommend dressing up like full tire, student tie? Um, that's a good question. I don't, uh, I don't really know the right answer to that. I, I would hey, say probably for, for, the, for the social, for the yeah, the social, probably just what you would wear to a, a social typically. So, yeah, you know, wear something nice, but tire. I don't think you can do a full suit. We call yeah. it good dude attire. Good dude attire. Blazer, good khakis, good dude. collar, good collar dude shirt. Attire. No tie. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. I, I, I don't know, question, man. Yeah. It's, um, that, I mean, that was another red flag that you, at least you don't have to worry about this year is getting too crunk at the pre-interview social and, uh, like, doing some yeah, stupid. Because that's all happened before. Like, people punching or people sleeping, hitting on the residents' wives and getting punched. That's happened before. Yeah um What's happened before strippers uh, people like you know, yep yep happened yeah. stripping yeah yeah and, um, so at least you don't have to worry about that but honestly if now if you do something like that over zoom like i mean it can a, be recorded that's a, <laughs> that's a huge red flag <laughs> that's, a, that's even worse or yeah. that's like super memorable too i don't know it depends yeah. on people, i guess yeah yeah, maybe you can make that your background, <laughs> your actual interview. My virtual background. <laughs> it's all about finding the right fit. So, <laughs> so, so what's the what's the other side of it then, Jay? What what are you? Uh, you already talked about looking for someone who's enthusiastic and stuff. What are other good things in an interview that you're going to look for, without giving away all your secrets? Well, your I question? have no secrets yet because I was going to. I haven't formulated my questions yet. So still. I'll probably formulate them like 10 minutes before my first interview. But no, what I think, 
you know, the way I, in general, I'm going to have part of the time just getting to know the, the applicant and just seeing if I, you know, if this is a person that can hold a, hold a conversation that, you know, I'd like to be around for the next five years. And um, so half of my time will be structured, just, uh, just like a, a regular conversation. Then the other half of the time, I'm going to find questions that, that I want to ask them more specific questions. So um, I think judging someone's personality and enthusiasm and positive and those things that can be ascertained in the first half of the interview where we just, where we just talk. And then I think I want to know stuff about um, what, what they value in a resident, like what kind of resident they want to be and see if that kind of goes with what resident, uh, what I'm looking for. So I mean, they're all going to say, Oh yeah, hardworking or this or that or whatever. Um, but we've talked before on this podcast, and I think it's really important that somebody really, uh, really tries to take pride in their work and, you know, make sure all their reductions look good and all their splints look good. And when they become actual surgeons, make sure that, you know, those habits will carry over to where their surgical outcomes are good and um, the surgeries go well. So really a self-motivated person who's, who's uh, their own harshest critic and wants to, and wants to improve and, and takes pride in their work. It's, it's, it's going to be hard to ascertain that and you think some questions to, uh, <clears throat> to, to do that, but I don't know. Yeah. So objectively hearing that, I think the first, the first half of your interview for a student is really easy to fake. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, that's, yeah. uh, that's one of those things that has like a, it's a high sensitivity and a low specificity, right. Cause you could really just fake, fake your way through that. The yeah. real question is that last half of the interview, how do you, how do you achieve your goal of finding someone? And a lot of the standard interview questions like don't really capture that, you know? So yeah. like, as far as like asking specifics about applications, I think it's one thing if there's some red flag on an application that you really just want to know more about, like, oh, why do you have a third degree misdemeanor on here? What was that about? Oh, you punched a kid and kicked his dog across the street. What, can you explain <laughs> that? <laughs> um, that's one thing. But like, I, if you're, I don't know, man, how do you, like, I used to, I used to think that the people who put interview, interviewees in stressful situations were assholes. But the more I think about it, the more valuable I think that is. And if like you, if you can kind of try to get them flustered and see how they react under pressure, that tells a lot about how someone uh, will deal with residency because it's a lot of pressure and you're going to be in those situations. So if you can maintain your cool in an interview, you can probably maintain your cool elsewhere. I mean, obviously doing, doing that without being a jerk to them um, or be a jerk and see what happens because people are going to be jerks to you in residency too and see, see how they respond. No, I think that's so true. Like, uh, I don't know if we have a lot of pre-meds listening to this podcast, but I remember back when uh, I was applying to med school so actually this, my med school right now, Miami, uh, when I went to my interview, I think the second interview I had was like notorious for being kind of like a hard ass, like asking these tough questions, making people very upset. Um, and so I remember one of my last questions he asked me was, I think meant to be a stress interview, like looking back at it. And he just asked me about this, you know, you have like an eight-year-old Jehovah's Witness, like mom and like eight-year-old yeah, since like a car crash he's like a blood transfusion but the mom comes in and she's like oh like you can't give him any blood what do you do and so i he kept pressing me on these questions to the point where i was just like oh yeah i don't know what i would do and he's like well you're wasting time not knowing what to do you killed the kid or whatever and i was like oh my god i like hypothetically <laughs> and so i definitely left miami thinking but each time he like asked me further questions on my thought process i i like explained it in terms of least like I stuck to it I explained it thoroughly I, I was very clear about my thought process uh and then when I left that interview it, I was like there's no way I get into this med school and then I did and I think uh one of the reasons that I did was probably that exactly what you're talking about like let's say the person is trying to stress you out and is trying to get to the core of like what, what kind of person you are how you're acting in your stressful situation I think it's important uh that they come across an applicant who at least is able to explain his or herself in a way that uh, like their line of thinking, what kind of person they are, what kind of character they have. I think those qualities need to be amplified this year, especially in the setting of not even being able to meet the person face to face. So yeah, I think that's a really good point. I think it's, it's, it's gonna be a lot about, especially for the residents or resident pro, residency programs, how do you be a good interviewer? And uh, how, do you, how do you extract that stuff from interviewees? And like asking someone, oh, tell me about a time you were pressured and you had to deal with it. 
Dude, you can make up a story about that. I made up stories about that in my interviews. I had stock stories. I mean, there weren't really that many times that I could remember where I had a good story about it in my real life. So I just made one up and nobody knows as, as long as you use the same story and you're good about it, nobody knows. So you, you got to get creative sometimes. So I don't know. It's, it's a really tough spot to be in. Uh, and I'm curious how you're going to handle it, Jay. I really want to see, see what you come up with. Yeah, I'll let you know, you know when we record our podcast after the interviews, then I'll, uh, I'll let you know kind of how it went. Um, I'll, I'll do some research this weekend in addition to raising my new young young puppy, but <laughs> you know, I'll do some research. All right. Um, there's a list of uh, a couple questions that I just want to ask Akil here while we have a little bit more time. All right. And uh, this is going to be a mock interview. So okay. <laughs> a few questions and these are very high pressure questions and just, just to see how you react. All right. All right. All right. Um, if you could be any animal, what would you be? Uh, white tiger. Why? Uh, because they are albino, and I always think that that's like the coolest genetic mutation of the animal. Why is it got to be white? Well, Black tigers matter. No, I agree with that. Wonderful. All tigers matter. Oh, you agree with that? I agree that. So all tigers don't matter, just black single, tigers. Every single individual species of every kind of organism matter. It's a great battle. They fought really Oh, great. Hard. Great. Now we're all created equal. So you think yeah. we're all created equal, too? Oh man, man not... you would be a you would be a great interviewer, man. You would be yeah, a great interviewer, dude. You'd be a med student. Come on. <laughs> all right, all right. Okay, white tiger. All right, what else? Um, oh, uh, what what Disney character are you most like? Oh man, uh, I would say Aladdin, just based purely on looks. Is he a Disney character? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> Can we talk about how biased that question is, Jay? <laughs> What if you, what I, if you grew, grew up like? Did you grow up at Disney? No, I did. Yeah, I, watched, I barely never, had Disney in my house. I, I had the never, Lion King. That was like the I one. Was Disney just about to say, you never saw Lion King? Then that's Disney. You've got like fifteen <laughs> characters to choose from. Yeah, but I'm at a disadvantage King. to all the other people who have like grew up in Disneyland. Oh, yeah, you, pro- you probably would choose. You yeah. would probably choose Mufasa. <laughs> when you're sort of at Disneyland, so the first time I, I was like four years old my parents decided to take me to disney world because they're like oh that's like a traditional thing that people do here (laughs) and i had not seen a single disney character in my life so they take me to orlando and i meet this like big like life-size goofy character and i just immediately start screaming (laughs) the whole disney world trip lasted like 20 minutes and they were like yeah that was so stupid that you'd never shown you any disney movies before so that my sister who's younger than me she was raised on Disney and she loved Disney. And to this day, I don't go to Disney World. I go to Universal all the time, but I do not. Yeah, Universal's great. I love Universal. Yeah, Universal's so much better. Yeah. yeah. I agree. You guys are haters. Um, let's see. If you wrote a book, what would you title it? Uh, Doesn't that depend on the content of the book? Exactly. Like what if you're writing a textbook on foot and ankle surgery? That would be the most lame answer. If you titled it like I title it orthopedics so by a keel. That would be a red flag, I guess. If I just <laughs> huge red flag. I don't know. I guess like memoirs of a med student in Miami. I don't, I don't know. That's, that's a good question. I'll have to figure that one out because what I the answer I just gave I'm not proud of. So I'll have to figure that out. See, this is this is good interview prep right here. It really is. Um what else? What other goofy? Qu- oh, uh, oftentimes they'll ask you to tell a joke. Oh, I had I'll that. that. I had that one. Luckily, I knew yeah. about it beforehand, so I kind of Googled something. Yeah. So, do you have a joke in your back pocket? No. Do you have a joke? I don't. Not one that, no, I don't. The, what, when you match with the Phoenix, you owe it all to this interview because we're prepping you so hard. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. So, get a joke. Um, How would you spend a million dollars? Oh, man. Right, it has to be the uh, thing in stocks because I, uh, I heard the best way to make money is to grow money. And uh, I, I'm uh, definitely part of an apartment. Uh, so it depends on where I go presidency. It probably part to my family for uh, thank you for raising me. And then the rest of it would just be a miscellaneous supply. <laughs> miscellaneous. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a mixed bag, you know. Like 
You know how you, when you put in an order for like a prescription that's like not in the system, you put in like a miscellaneous supply order. That's kind of like what I would allocate for like probably 750K out of the million dollars we just talked about. That's a lot of drug money. All right. <laughs> um, I do live in Miami, so it makes sense. If you had, okay, last one, last one. If you had one day left to live, how would you spend it? Oh, man. Uh, I'd probably go to a nice botanical garden, uh, find a tree, sit under that tree, uh, read the book that I wrote whose title I'm still working on, um, and just reflect on <laughs> the journey I've been through. You know, smoke well, weed, smoke the $750,000 of weed. Yeah, and I'd like to like <laughs> my last basket while playing my favorite song on the guitar I've been playing for six years. <laughs> That's how it's been. It sounds very peaceful. The, the correct answer, actually, is now that we have 29 hours of OrthoTalk podcast, you listen to 24 of those episodes. With your, with your white supremacist, Tiger. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to every single program. <laughs> All right, here's, here's a question then for me off the top of my head. What is your, what's your favorite restaurant? My favorite restaurant? Yeah. Um, that, that's a privileged question, too. What if you don't have money to eat out? Bro, it could be McDonald's. Who cares? Oh, this well, is a it could be the grocery store. Oh man, because uh, it's probably this place called Zook. It's this like Mediterranean place here. It was like ten dollars for like a build your own falafel bowl kind of place. But if we're talking fast food or grocery store, anything, anything. Big plug. Uh, I, I have a big plug for uh, Publix chicken tenders subs. Hmm. It's like ten dollars. I don't know if they have Publix where you guys are at, but it's pretty big in the southeast. Um, they have the best chicken tender subs. Of all time i think he's like six dollars on a weekly sale uh full price like 10 bucks what Very comes on good. the sub what's up what comes on the sub besides chicken oh uh, whatever you want man that's the beauty of public so, so what do you much, put on it i usually get a multi-grain roll uh usually half because it's still pretty big it's like i think a half of like seven or eight inches it's like most sizes full uh and then usually i get the chicken tenders uh the american cheese uh spinach jalapenos hot peppers Tomato, depending on how risky I'm feeling that day, mm. um, because they don't always clean the uh, tray where they keep all the vegetables. Mm -hmm. So in cases of uh, people getting diarrhea after eating pop sauce, but I'm still a huge fan. Um, some people put blue cheese. I don't. So I usually stick with like honey mustard or something. But a lot of times I just put like uh, buffalo sauce on top of it. Jalapenos, hot peppers, and buffalo sauce. Yeah, no, I like to really good. feel a nice day. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. good. So what if you did that on call and then you just had to like shit your brain? Oh, I would never do that on call. <laughs> I would only eat things that would make me uh, not want to poop for like two days later. Maybe. I would like self-constipate whenever I take call. Well, so ask, correct, Rob, the, ask Rob Williams that question because he yeah. has to poop all the time. So the correct answer to that? that question is uh, you go poop in the anesthesia call room because they have the best oh. bathrooms. <laughs> Absolutely yeah. the best bathrooms. I've heard some horror stories about call rooms. <laughs> All right, here's another uh, another question. Okay. If you had if you had to name Jay's dog, what would you name it? Oh, man, come oh, on. I feel like Creamy's a pretty good name. Creamy's a great name. <laughs> I feel I think, like, I I think you said Creamy. No, Creamy's a terrible name. <laughs> <laughs> creamy. I don't know that I could top that. You know that that's like a. a Jay's not doing your interview. You don't have to. You don't have to suck up to him. Well, so, you know, I like it. Before I answer that question, is really get to know Creamy through the virtual happy hour <laughs> and take them through some really tough probing questions and figure out there what their character is like. And probably, I don't know. Probably uh, Freddy. Freddy's a good dog name. I like Freddy. Freddy. That's not a bad name. Yeah. Freddy. Is Dreamy a girl or a boy? Uh, both. <laughs> That's a girl. It's a girl. girl. She's a girl. Yeah, She's a girl. Yeah. I don't know. Is your is your dog a girl or a boy? She's a girl, but everyone thinks she's a boy. You have you, you're gonna get a boy dog, so our dogs can make baby dogs. Dude, I don't know, man. That that dog is kind of small. <laughs> I don't know if I want to want to breed small? with that thing. She's very cute. She is very cute. She's probably a good girl, but she's probably gonna pee everywhere. She's already peed in the house twice, and we've only had her for a few hours. You know, you have to, you know, you have to take them out like every hour. I uh, know. I also know that I've, you know, I told my family that I want a minimal part in raising this young, <laughs> oh this beast, God. because oh, I want a big dog, and uh, they want this little one. So I was like, all right, we can get a little one, but uh, I'm just going to consider it a giant, uh, a giant hamster. 
<laughs> that'll be it. So this is my giant hamster. Wow. Yep. So you don't have any more. You don't have any more interview questions. One last one. Uh, yeah, yeah. What's your favorite bone? My favorite bone. Okay. Again. <laughs> no, no, we already did that one, right? Yeah, I think we already did. Uh, I said first metatarsal last time, but I would like to change the answer to tailless. Ooh, he, he is sucking up hard. I've done so much tailless work that would be a disservice to myself. I would not be who I am today without the tailless. Let's put it that way. Good point. That's a good closure. Hey, what do you think? What do you think about asking like um not like not like ethical or political questions, but just like you know, somewhat controversial questions, you know, so stuff about like uh um I don't know. Like, what are your thoughts on like diversity in orthopedics and you know asking applicants that stuff? Is that off limits? Should no, that be off no, limits? That's, no. That I think that matters even more this year talking about diversity yeah. Yeah. stuff because uh, I think recently there's been such a big push to get more diverse in orthopedics that, uh, especially depending on who the applicant is, if there's someone that would like has a lot of background in that kind of work, I think go for it. Yeah, I don't think that's yeah. controversial at all. I think everyone's pretty much on board in terms of increasing diversity all across medicine, especially orthopedics. So that, that's a good question because if you yeah. ask that, I think you would get, I think you would have a really good sense as to how much they've actually thought about it. Because right, most right. people yeah. would be like, oh yeah, it's good. I'm for it. Uh, you want to like elaborate? Yeah, yeah, it's right. good. Diversity is great. We need more diversity. you'll get that answer I think a lot of the time and you'll know that it's just you know there's not a lot of thought behind it so it's it's probably a good question and some questions about you know um, economics of healthcare you know probably deeper questions like that I guess those should be should be good questions what what questions are you not allowed to ask what what is off like not allowed in an interview well you can't ask you can't ask like marital status right you can't ask marital status Sexual orientation, you can't ask. Right. You probably can't ask number of interviews, where else they interviewed those things. Uh-huh. Can you ask ethnicity? It should, isn't that on their ERAS? Yeah, I was going to say part of the ERAS does ask you, but I think there's the option yeah. of saying you'd prefer not to answer. I, I don't know who, hmm. how many people actually select that box, but yeah. I feel like it's, it's fair game, I, I think. I don't know. I, I, everyone asks me like all the time. Yeah, no, same. I, I don't think that would be. Uh, at least I, I would not personally be offended by that. I don't know if other people would. Interesting. I bet I bet you could ask some of the controversial stuff. All right, but I I don't know I I don't know how controversial you want to get though. Yeah. You could I mean you could really like find out some answers you. I don't know, but if I mean if you find out some answers you didn't want to hear, you should probably good thing you found them out early. Yeah, or so, or maybe maybe be accepting of different opinions too, you know, and just be like, oh, they've got an interesting opinion to bring to the table, as long as it's not something like, you know, white supremacy or whatever. Yeah, no. <laughs> but that that so that automatically will introduce your own bias into the interview, though. Right? It will, yeah. But so is it have, possible? To, is it possible to have an interview without your own biases? I hope not, because, I mean, your own biases are discriminating on who gets in and who doesn't, right? We had this argument a couple of weeks ago, was that every interview is biased. There's always some bias in every interview. So why are we trying to eliminate all bias out of interviews? Oh, yeah, we had this text. Right, this text Remember we, had this, we had this text conversation because I, yeah. I was going on a rant about how, like, we, we always discriminate based on something. And, it's, you know, it's not always race, sex, or uh, any, something like that, but we're always discriminating based on something. Either it's your... your uh, your work ethic or like your personality there's always some sort of discrimination going on and that's how you pick people when you have limited spots right so and I mean, you're not going to eliminate all bias so i don't well, know well i think you know, people that have the best chance of being picked are people that have like a high <laughs> likability in terms of their personality and uh, therefore if we're selecting for people that are likable whatever that means you know is it not fair to people who are just for whatever reason not likable is, you yeah know, what, nice what, what if you have an yeah. introvert what if you have an introvert yeah. that you know is, is going to work hard and do their job, but they're just not very charismatic? I don't know. Or it's what if they're what if they're somewhere on the spectrum, right? And they have yeah. a diagnosis of autism. Then what? You're discriminating Tough based on that. Tough question. Well, what I found is uh, whenever it gets really controversial, uh, I like to pivot to a joke. So, for example. <laughs> <laughs> So just two days ago, so every every night, so we have so our fourth year residents 
uh, during their last week on trauma, they get the status of uh, chief week. So they're the chief resident for that week. I don't know if that's a typical thing. So I felt the need to fully flush that out for everyone. Uh, so anyway, our chief this last week, he was very new to uh, making the OR schedule and having the medicine run it off to the trauma OR scheduler uh, for the next day. And so we had a new trauma OR scheduler a few days ago. And it was my turn to uh, hand off the scheduling list, which, you know, we do God's work. We really do a lot as med students. So I went over to the trauma OR scheduler and I'm like, I handed her the, the schedule sheet. She's like, oh, I haven't seen you before because she hasn't seen anyone before. because She's brand new. But I was just like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Like, hi, I'm, I'm Akil. I'm a med student. She's like, what did you say your name was? I'm like, oh, I'm Akil. And she goes, where are you from? And so I had to like instantly do like a quick like cost benefit analysis. I'm like, I could say New York. <laughs> I could say India. But I felt like, you know, like I, I, I had a long day. I was like, let's make this fun. So I was like, oh, I'm from New York. She goes, okay, where are your parents from? Yeah. And at this point I was like, okay, you just boxed me into a corner. So I was like, all right, India. She goes, oh, that's interesting. I'm like, why is that interesting? She's like, you know, uh, I know someone uh, with your middle name, uh, with your first name as uh, his middle name. And he's from Ghana, like the country in Africa. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Like not thinking twice. And she goes, <laughs> yeah, he was my ex. Um, we still live together. And at this point I'm super. Uncomfortable. <laughs> so I was like, okay, do you have any more questions? She's like, no, now I'm just depressed. I'm like, well, is everything in order for the trauma war schedule? She's like, I guess so. I'm like, well, I'll, I'll leave you alone then. Um, <laughs> and so that's a great example of like a kind of controversial question where I was like, oh, where do I answer where I'm from to finding out that I've made her sad without doing anything by reminding her of her ex. So, you know, life comes full circle is what I'm trying to say. Good. All right. You're, you're just fine in interviews, Akil. <laughs> just tell that story. Just tell that joke. Oh, that could be my joke. <laughs> that was a real story, though. But yeah, that, yeah, yeah. I think we're at an hour plus. Yeah, I think we are. Yeah, hour All plus. right. Well, good luck, my man. Thank you. Good luck, man. Yeah. Good luck Thanks to all the coming on. That, are, that are listening. Yeah. Good luck to everyone. And, if you uh, interview we'll, with me, then uh, don't say the answers I told you to say on this podcast. Come up with something original. And you better, yeah. you better have already subscribed to the podcast if you interview with Jay, whoever's listening. Yeah, seriously, say. if you interview with me and you say you one of your hobbies is this podcast, I'm going to grill you so hard on each episode. And now I want to know, I, okay, next time we do this, Jay, you got to keep track of how many people actually mention the podcast in your interview. I, I bet zero. You bet zero? Are you yeah. going to plug it in your interview? Well, I'm going to say if you want a chance of matching, you better go on Apple <laughs> Podcasts, leave a five-star review. <laughs> All right, cool. All right, thanks, Akil. Thank you. All right. Appreciate it. See you guys. Bye. Bye. And that'll do it for this week. Thank you, everybody, for listening and tuning in. Thank you to Akil for giving us some of his time before his interviews. Hope you guys enjoyed that podcast. If you enjoy the podcast and want to catch any of our other episodes, you can do so at our website, orthotalkpod.com. If, if, if you are enjoying our episodes, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever podcasting platform you use. It really does help us out. If you want to see the video of any of these podcasts and you're only listening to the podcast, you can do so at our YouTube channel, The Orthotalk Podcast on YouTube. If you want to get in touch with us, two ways to do it. You can do... Uh, so on Twitter, follow us and send us a message at orthotalkpod on Twitter, or you can email us, theorthopodcast at gmail.com. Hope you guys are enjoying what we're doing. We're having fun doing this, and we'll have more for you next week. Thank you for the opportunity.